what did the officials yeah, say on the at the end of regulation? They didn't say anything. They didn't say anything. It's <laughs> no, they didn't say anything. Okay. What do you think? Will you pay the fine? <laughs> You'll pay the fine. I'll tell you exactly how I think about it. That's Alvin Gentry not wanting to get fined as he discusses last night's call with .2 left on the clock. Rudy Gobert goes to the line and sends it to overtime. Ultimately, New Orleans wins 138 to 132, and the Jazz win streak ends at 10 games. Still a tremendous run over the last 15, 16 games for Utah where they've been playing phenomenal ball. We'll review it here on Round Ball Roundup, episode 32 on utahjazz.com. We'll get you set for Sacramento on Saturday and a little bit of a look at Indiana on Monday, but ultimately, today's going to be about mid-season review. NBA Today host, Sirius NBA Radio, Justin Termini joins the program on utahjazz.com. He's going to give us a dose of real and what he sees from the Utah Jazz. This is a guy that was very high on Utah, picked them in the preseason to go to the NBA Finals. He details what he's liked about this club so far this year. Ultimately, last night, if you're going to put aside what happened with the referees, what you saw from that, and that should be the A1, what the last two-minute report is going to bear out today There was a great shootout of two guys who are wanting to go to the All-Star game. Brandon Ingram, 49. Donovan Mitchell, 46. Two guys going toe-to-toe at the end of this game. And ultimately, it was New Orleans who found all the buckets in the overtime period. Couldn't expect that the referees were going to give you a call after they gifted you the two free throws at the end of the game. And it's a scenario where it all evens out. Last two-minute report of the last game that you played in New Orleans showed that Rudy Gobert did foul Brandon Ingram. They should have had an opportunity at the end of the game to sink free throws. Ultimately, they don't. In this game, Rudy Gobert fouls out on a controversial call in the overtime period. It was a put-all-the-chips-into-the-middle-of-the-table type of play One where Coach Quinn Snyder had to challenge it. Missing it is tough, but after a moment where they sent the game into overtime, you can't expect much from the refs in the extra frame. Really efficient by Donovan. 7 of 15 from 3. On his two-point shots, he went 8 of 18, 7 of 7 from the free throw line. Just three turnovers, two assists, six rebounds. Boyan Bogdanovich had a good game as well. 26 points. 3 of 8 from 3, 9 of 17 overall, 4 assists. Boyan's been good as the second option for Donovan Mitchell, relieving that stress, something that we'll get into more with Justin Termini. That game last night was just the second time in 26 games where the Jazz have had a 108 offensive rating and above and lost. Just two times in 26 tries at that. When they play below average offense, they still have an opportunity to win games because of how well they're playing defensively. That's how impressive that they've been through the first half of this NBA season, and it's one where Mike Conley has only played in 22 games. Add him back into the fold, and things could get a little bit interesting. On that same topic, Low Post Podcast, Joe Ingles, he joined Zach Lowe on ESPN discuss a little bit of what might happen once Mike Conley comes back. Uh, I don't. Um, 
you had a good conversation with Quinn after. Maybe you do. He did not. Uh, he, he did, did. not tell me. <laughs> um, I, I did ask. He did not tell me. No, I mean, I think I think for me at the start, kind of individually, it was it, it was an adjustment. I mean, I'd started for the Jazz for two, three years now, whatever it was. Um, I was obviously comfortable in that. Do, like, do I think I'm a starter in there? Mate, yeah. Was I happy to take a role and accept it and try and be really good at the six man or whatever? Of course. Um, I wanted to win with the Jazz. And a part of that was the off-season, getting Boyan, getting Mike, doing what we did with our team. It's like, well, someone, someone's got to come off the bench. So, um, of course, I was fine with it. Like, did it like did it take me a while to try and like it's very different it's i spoke to a couple guys like i'd spoken to patty mills a couple times i'd spoken to jj about it a couple times like what the because jj was originally coming off the bench this year too for the first time in six years i think he said to me or something like that so um jj raddick yeah and he's actually starting now as well yes (laughs) um but it was different and I, i think i regardless of how I was playing then I think I would have figured it out and I would have been able to adjust and going back into the starting lineup when Mike went down it was I guess good timing for myself because I started to to play better but it was just a natural like it was like oh well this is what I'm used to this is like I didn't have to think about like oh what am I going to do now how do I get involved like it was just like this is what I've done so that that was the easy part that was like come down the court Rudy's there like Donovan's out it's very it was just normal to me to as soon as I got back, put back in. Joe had a couple of funny moments in that podcast, especially where Zach tries to get him into the three-point contest. Not sure he's the type of guy who would want to enjoy that, but okay, give it a shot. Three years straight and I couldn't get to the three-point contest. Have you asked? You don't ask those things. Yes, you do. Your agent should. Bartlestein had, had definitely pushed for me to do it, and I thought... Honestly, the first year that I was shooting like 40, mid 40s, I might have even been higher up to all star. You're over 40 again now. Well, yeah. Are you surprised? No, I'm not surprised. I'm saying like you could campaign for it now. They're not. I shot like mid 40s for two years straight. The first year I was like, if they invited me, I'd do it because I'd, it'd be cool. Like it wouldn't, like, what? Has an Australian ever competed in the three? Probably, I don't even think an Australian's ever competed in the three-point contest. Paddy Mills never got invited. He would no, be the one, right? He would be, yeah, or Andrew Gaze, but he only played a couple of years, so and wasn't out there enough to shoot as well as he done has done for his his whole career. But after the first year, and then the next year, Mark was like, "I'm getting you in. I'm getting you in. You're doing it." And I was like, "Well, no, like, screw them. I'm going on vacation now. Like, you didn't want me the first year, so I'm so done with like." Beyond the fluffy stuff of the three-point contest, that's the essential question around the team. Once Mike Conley gets back, what's going to happen? And we'll follow it along online. Make sure to check it out, utahjazz.com. Additionally, Zach Lowe opined about the jazz with our guy, Aaron Falk. You can check out the Q&A with Zach Lowe at utahjazz.com as well. Those conversations took place before the Brooklyn victory on Tuesday, a 118-107 victory. Joe Ingles got the Zach Lowe bump, 27 points, 5 assists, tied his career high once again fifth time he's done that and utah outlasts brooklyn Kyrie went off for 32 this was before he started to make confucius Kyrie statements about his teammates after a loss against philadelphia donovan mitchell closed it out like the closer that he is 14 in the fourth quarter 25 overall after he had a first half where he just scored four points he erupted 
Rudy was dominant in the early quarters defensively, 22-18. and 18. It got Kenny Atkinson of the Nets to say this about Rudy. Best defensive center in the game. He's pushing himself into the all-time greats. If you don't meet Rudy with aggressiveness and you're kind of thinking about it or hesitating a little, he's going to block you. He's going to block your shot. Kenny Atkinson knows. The league knows. Rudy Gobert is one of the top players of this entire league, and he's showing it day in, day out. The right combo of Bogdanovich, of Mitchell, of Rudy, all 92 points across those three. That leads us to our guest today, Justin Turney of SiriusXM. He had this opinion. It's the thing that we do with our podcast, where we take a clip and we tweet it out for social so that you guys can get a sense of what we're saying on the podcast, give you a little drip of what we're doing. Well, Justin Termini, he had this tweeted out by the SiriusXM feed. Rudy Gobert deserves to be in the MVP conversation. Willie Might not, but he deserves to be there because of the way that he's playing. So let's let you hear from Justin Termini, SiriusXM NBA Today host on Round Ball Roundup. Rudy Gobert, halfway through the season, is the best player on the fourth best team in the NBA. When Rudy Gobert is on the floor, Utah is 17.8 points per 100 possessions better than when he's off the floor. Then it is Jimmy Butler at plus 14.5. Devontae Graham is plus 14.3. He has clearly by far and away been the best player on Charlotte. He said Charlotte turns from, you know, a borderline playoff team to borderline maybe the worst in the NBA. And then it's LeBron at plus 14. Those are your top five. I mean, that speaks to how just important Gobert is been to Utah. You could use those numbers to talk about Rudy Gobert in the conversation for MVP, which nobody brings up. Yeah, I think both of them should be, even in the Western Conference where it's really difficult. Now, again, and I'm sure we'll get into Rudy Gobert as the conversation continues. I think Gobert is the most important player on this team and the best player on this team. Uh, but Donovan Mitchell's been great, especially since Mike Conley's been out of the lineup. I mean, I guess the concern is the two of them playing together and playing off one of another. But but that was a fantastic game last night. And I know that people in Utah aren't going to want to hear it. But I didn't like that call at the end of regulation there on the Pelicans with the hold there. Uh, so I, I think that the, the right team won last night. It's not to say that Utah hasn't been great. You're bound to lose when you go on a run where you've won 15 out of 16 games. Uh, and it still has been a fantastic stretch. But uh, just a great performance last night by two of the young up-and-coming players in the league. And he's pretty even for Jazz fans as the week before they got a call that maybe they shouldn't have when it looks at that last two-minute report on the Rudy Gobert call on Brandon Ingram. What does that team look like once they get Zion back? I think everybody expected him to come back against the Jazz, wasn't there. What do they look like once he gets there? Yeah, I mean, 9-3 and three in their last 12 games, right? And now they're just three and a half games out of the playoff picture in the Western Conference. And I think the fun thing about the back end of the West, which Utah doesn't need to worry about, right, because they're fighting for home court advantage right now, but the back end of the Western Conference, every team 8-14 through 14 right now, I think it's a shot to get into the postseason outside of, you know, Golden State, who right now is the worst team in the, in the uh, NBA and in the Western Conference. Every other team is a lot. Lonzo Ball's playing a lot better. Brandon Ingram, I picked him to be my most improved player at the outset of the season. And I think he's fitting right in line with that. And then David Griffin says, well, you know what? Zion looks a lot better than he did in the preseason physically. And Zion in the preseason averaged 23 and a half points on 75% shooting in just 27 minutes a game. So if he's better than what we saw at the preseason and this team can remain healthy with, uh, you know, Ingram has been a little bit banged up. Uh, Lonzo, who missed some time, Drew Holiday, Derek Favors, and you throw Zion in there, even if he can only give you 20 minutes a night, sits out back to backs. 
I think it adds another layer to them. They're one of the hottest teams in the NBA, as Utah found out last night. Uh, and it would really, I think, be fantastic if they slipped into the eighth seed because then think about who they'd be lined up to face in the first round, their former teammate there in Anthony Davis. Lakers-Pelicans with a hot Pelicans team signed me up for that in round one. Totally. And the only concern for the Jazz is obviously that playoff matchups that would move who whoever would be in the seventh spot. Looking back at Donovan Mitchell, what have you noticed from him as he's starting to take a step in year three? Well, I mean, I think it's it's got to be just the, the shot selection. and Not everything relies on him anymore, right? And I thought that's what Dennis Lindsay did in the offseason was fantastic. When everybody was making their moves, everybody's talking about the Nets as the big winners, the Clippers as the big winners, like Philadelphia as the big winners. I looked at Utah on on the night of free agency because I host a show right as free agency strikes, right? And I said, let's not overlook what uh, Dennis Lindsay has done and going out and getting Bogdanovich because that takes the pressure off of Mitchell. I think the defense clearly has been the strength for Utah the last couple of years, but they were too reliant on Mitchell as a young player to take too many shots. That had an effect on the field goal percentage because he was taking shots where he's either being double teamed or they're just ill-advised shots. Now he's got Bogdanovich during this stretch where Utah has been really hot and winning all these games. is averaging over 21 points uh, per game. So I think he takes a lot of pressure off of Mitchell that allows him to be a little bit more efficient. And Mitchell during this stretch, last 15, 16 games, shooting above 50%. Uh, so I think that's the biggest area growth for him well and the discussion now turns to what happens once mike conley gets back but what do you see coming back once mike's on the floor yeah, I mean, shocking, right? Just because last year he averaged a career high in points, and you said, all right, well, he's going to come over here, and that's a massive upgrade from, from Ricky Rubio. It's just been disappointing. And the conversation for us over on NBA radio is can he even start him? And I don't know if you can start him when he comes back because the team has been so hot. So maybe he has to come off the bench for the first time really in his career. And I think he's at the stage in his career where, hey, he's already been paid. Uh, he understands what the team is accomplishing. I don't think it'd be as difficult, say, uh, is bringing back a younger guy who hasn't had his huge contract yet. Conley has got paid. I think at this point he just wants to win. So it'll be interesting to see how Quinn Snyder handles that. And I, I really don't see how you can you can bring Joe Ingles back off the bench. He's been fantastic. I mean, the funny thing was last night against the Pelicans is he misses that free throw as an opportunity to go up four uh, and, and really close out the game at the end of regulation. Uh, and that's where he's been so fantastic from, you know, really throughout the course of his career, but even during this recent stretch, where not only is he averaging over 15 points per game and, and five assists, but he's also got the 50-50-90 the thing going, right? So I think you flow with Ingles there in that starting lineup for right now. Bring Conley off the bench if you falter a little bit or Conley reaches uh, the point really where he was last season in the last couple of years as one of the elite players in the league. Then you could always make some changes down the line, but I wouldn't mess with what's going on right now in that starting lineup. Did that Conley move also uh, assist in you giving Lindsay the winning spot in the offseason? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, because I thought the biggest weakness was, hey, just get some offense surrounding Donovan Mitchell. Defensively, we already know what this team can bring, and I, I still think that might be the best part of what, what's happened here over the last 15, 16 games with this run Utah has been on that has, has seen them go from you know somewhere in the middle of the pack back into the Western Conference right up to the top is the offense was number one, right? Up through last night, the offense was number one in the in the NBA over that span. And we know what you're going to get defensively because you got the best defensive player in the 
the NBA uh, in Rudy Gobert. So if they can, I'm not saying they need to be the number one offense in the NBA like they have the last month or so, but if they can be a top 10 offense along with what they have defensively, uh, then, then yeah, I mean, that's what Lindsey needed to accomplish in the offseason was get some guys offensively that can make things easier on Mitchell. That's what he did. Bogdanovich really has done his job over the last couple of weeks. When Conley comes back, yeah, think about it. They're playing this well without Mike Conley on the floor. If they get Conley back and he plays like he did last year, it takes him up even another level where they're capable of beating anybody. Now, at the outset of the year, I, I actually picked them to go to the NBA Finals, okay? So that's how, I'm not just high on them over the last couple of weeks. I, at the outset of the year, I thought it was Philadelphia. I thought it was Utah. Those were my two picks to go to the NBA Finals. Uh, Philadelphia has not looked good here as of late because of fit. Uh, Utah didn't look good early, but they've come on here now. I think they still got a shot at uh, going, especially with the Jordan Clarkson addition as well. I mean, if you have him and Conley off the bench, or you move Ingles back off the bench with Clark, and then those, you know, those two guys. Uh, yeah, and Clarkson's been great since coming over in the trade, right? Averaging over 15 points per game. Last night was their first loss since the uh, since the addition. Yeah, Dennis Lindsay's done a fantastic job. Well, and at the crux of it all, we played the clip. We've heard it all from you. Uh, Adding Rudy Gobert to the MVP conversation. He is the center of this Jazz team defensively and what they do. Why did you add him to that list? And, and will he get a really good shot at, at being an MVP candidate? No, he won't have a shot uh, at all. He won't even come close. I mean, we're talking about a guy that's you know not even made an all-star team in his career, which is an absolute travesty because he's been one of the more important players over the last couple of years. I think you heard Kenny Atkinson after that Nets game earlier this week say that he's moving up into the upper echelon uh, centers of all time defensively, right? And, and people just ignore that side of the basketball, although coaches claim that it's important, right? Coaches, oh, oh, winning, oh, defense. Well, Rudy Gobert in the last couple of years provides the winning, he provides the defense, yet he's not awarded by going to the All-Star uh, game. Now, I think he's made two all, he made, he made the All-Defensive team last year, right? He's made two of them overall in his career. Uh, I think that's more important than making an All-Star team. Oddly enough, it's harder to do than making an All-Star team. So he's made two, uh, two All-NBA teams, yet he hasn't made an All-Star team yet. I think that's a travesty. And I also think that he's going to have an issue even getting Defensive Player of the Year this season because Anthony Davis and that steam, uh, you know, that is sort of steamrolled and that narrative out there in Los Angeles. And let's be honest, I mean, you guys are used to it in Utah. Mm -hmm. You get the, the guy that's performing in L.A. You get the guy that's performing in New York or Boston. It ends up being a bigger deal than it is in Utah. Some things get lost. And if you look at the on-off numbers and the impact that somebody has on, on a team and a winning team, just line up Rudy against the other centers in the sport. He's got the highest on-off number, meaning when he is off the floor, the team struggles a little bit. When he is on the floor, uh, the team becomes one of the best in the NBA. Uh, his number is highly, uh, you know, highly better than that of Jokic, that of Anthony Davis, that of uh, – that of Carl Anthony Towns, that of uh, Joel Embiid, the other top centers in the sport. So does he deserve to be in the MVP conversation? Yes. Will he be in the MVP conversation? No. How about the All-Star conversation? How many All-Stars do the Jazz have? I think they definitely have one, and that's Rudy Gobert. Uh, then you can make the argument for Donovan Mitchell at, at number two. Uh, you know, here's the issue: is you're going to have a guy like Russell Westbrook who hasn't really been good this year, probably doesn't deserve to go. He, he probably makes it just as a legacy guy, right? You could have that case with Damian Lillard as well, because people just become so accustomed to voting these guys in, and it's just not the fan. The media does it. The, the coaches do it, despite the fact, again, that they preach the importance of winning, the importance of defense. 
Yeah, not, not everybody takes it seriously. They sit there, they go, oh, Russell Westbrook. They'll check off Russell Westbrook. Oh, Damian Lillard, they'll check off Lillard's name. So Mitchell deserves to be there ahead of those guys because I value winning. Will he be there? Again, that's a, that's a question. But Rudy Gobert, I'll flip out on the air when we find out in a couple of weeks uh, when they release the All-Star teams. If Gobert is not on that list, I'll flip out. And I'm sure Rudy will flip out again just like he did last year. I'm sure a lot of Jazz fans will do that as well. Where ultimately, right now, halfway through the season, are you stacking up this Jazz team? You have a lot of confidence in them putting them in the finals in the preseason. Where do you see them after halfway through the year? Yeah, and as you know, things fluctuate all the time, right? I mean, you look at what they did at the beginning of the season, and you're you're going, oh, my God, they don't stand a chance. You look at what they're doing now, and you said they got as good a chance as, as anybody, especially if they get the home court, uh, home court advantage because we, we know how dangerous they are. Uh, I, the Lakers, you have to favor them right now just because uh, they're running away with things and they've been consistent, and I think this is the first time we've seen a LeBron team where he's really honed in and focused. Like, usually you see the, the Lakers coasting. They've set a great culture there, even they were down by 22 or 21 the other day at home to the Orlando Magic, and they didn't give up. Something in the past, LeBron teams have said, hey, you know what, uh, we're, we're up by five games in the conference. We're going to coast. So I think they've set a really good culture there. Frank Vogel might be, and this is high praise because I like Eric Spolster. Vogel might be the best coach LeBron's ever had. I love Frank Vogel. So I think you have to favor them. But then Utah behind them, I mean, should should – the, the, the Clippers be favored. The Clippers have no rhythm. Uh, so I like Utah better than them at this point. Denver, I mean, Denver, uh, they're, you know, they almost lost last night. It took them overtime against Golden State. They struggle against bad teams. They, they, you know, they lack a focus. You never know what you're going to get with Jokic. Uh, Houston, I don't think they're built for the postseason, uh, even though Harden, Westbrook, they put up great numbers during the regular season. They're always about uh, you know, around 60 wins, high 50s. I put Utah right there in a the mix. If, if the Lakers should trip up, wouldn't be shocked to see the Jazz in the, in the finals. We'll get you out on this. What's been your biggest surprise in the Western Conference so far? Biggest surprise has got to be Oklahoma. You know, you know, see, you check that. Oklahoma City, I thought they'd be, you know, a seventh or eighth seed, but I didn't think they would do it in this style, right? Uh, Memphis has got to be the biggest surprise because we thought they were probably the worst team in the, uh, in the, in the, Western Conference at the beginning of the year. In fact, Vegas, when they did their over-unders, had them as the lowest over-under in the Western Conference. For them to be led by a 20-year-old rookie as their best player and a uh, 20-year-old Jaron Jackson as their second best player in his second year, uh, what Taylor Jenkins has done out there has just been fantastic. So they have to be my biggest biggest surprise. And they're one of the more fun teams to watch. I can't think of, you know, off the top of my head, I can't think of a team that's more fun right now to watch in the NBA than the Memphis Grizzlies. So they have to be my biggest surprise. And John Morant, clearly rookie of the year. Zion would have to come back and put up huge numbers to pass him. Yeah, he might have to average like 70 points per game, I mean, <laughs> yeah. to be honest with you. And I think, I, I think the, the, you know, the, the, most talent, the, the biggest compliment you can give to, to John Morant is there actually would be a conversation amongst, uh, I think, GMs as to who would go number one overall if you did the draft all over again. That's how good John Morant is, uh, you know. And it, it would be because he's played so well, plus the health concerns of Zion. I think there are some GMs, if you did the draft over again, might go John Morant. That's the biggest compliment I think you can, you can give him because I think Zion, if he can stay healthy, is just going to be otherworldly. He is the host of the afternoon sh- drive show over at NBA Radio on Sirius XM, Justin Termini on Round Ball Roundup. Thank you so much, Justin. Really appreciate it. Appreciate you having me.
you to Justin Termini, who is giving you the real when he's discussing things with you. That's going to be the play over the next couple of weeks as All-Star starts to be determined. Donovan Mitchell so far is still stuck at 7 in the guards voting of the Western Conference. You can vote every single day, and some days are 2 for 1, so log on to utahjazz.com, and you can vote for Donovan Mitchell to make the All-Star team. For Justin, he has Rudy Gobert in. And coaches like Kenny Atkinson are noticing, so you can guarantee an Atkinson vote when it comes to him making the All-Star team. This will all come to a head on Monday. All-Star voting stops on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, where you've got the coaches, the media, and the fans having their opportunity to vote. Starters will be revealed that Thursday, the 23rd, and then the reserves next week, January 30th, on TNT NBA Tip-Off. So do not wait. You can always vote for Utah Jazz men, whoever you want, in the All-Star game on utahjazz.com. It would be a tremendous honor for guys on this team to validate what they're doing and their climb up the Western Conference after their start. Coming up on Saturday, Utah takes on Sacramento. 15 and 26 Kings come to Vivint Smart Home Arena. There isn't a team playing worse, really. Sacramento is losers of three in a row after their only wins over the last couple of games has been the Warriors and Suns. Last 10, they're 3-7. and seven. The only team playing worse, Golden State, 1-9 over the same stretch. This team allowed Luka Doncic to go 25-15-17. The worry has to be De'Aaron Fox, who can go off in the January slate. Point guards averaging 24 points, 8.5 assists on 50% shooting. This hasn't been the year that Sacramento has thought that it was going to get coming into it. They thought they would be in contention for a playoff spot and building off the blocks that they had last season. One of their best records since they made the playoffs in 06. It's been more of the same. If they want to make a move, they're just four games out of the eighth spot. They'll have to climb a bunch of teams, and they'll have to start playing better now. Otherwise, if you're giving midseason grades, they might not rank very highly. Rashawn Holmes has been fun to watch as a guy that they gave a flyer on. He's a big that won their starting job over Dwayne Dedman, who was initially thought to be one of those guys who could play well. Now he's requesting a trade from Sacramento. That team's in a tough spot, and if you're looking at the Jazz, this is one that you want to have after seeing the streak end and trying to continue to get playing better. The tough games are coming at the end of the month. You got the first appearances of playing Houston, Denver, Dallas, and then Monday is where it really starts to ramp up because the Pacers, it's kind of the Spider-Man meme of looking at your same team. They're a really good team in the Eastern Conference, and they're waiting on their all-star caliber player, Victor Oladipo, to come back. With all the good habits and all that they've been playing well against these lower-level opponents going on this run, now it's coming into focus of the teams that you're contending with in that Western Conference seeding race. On a non-basketball note, the Australian bushfires and the Puerto Rican earthquake are coming into focus for a couple of jazz players. Donovan Mitchell, if you didn't see the video, he is going to be auctioning off a couple of his special colorways to donate to those two causes. Joe Ingles is committing money, and we have a landing page on utahjazz.com for the American Red Cross. If you would want to donate to help the Australian bushfires, it's been catastrophic for all the animals in the area because there's so much life there. The indigenous communities, 
it's a tough, tough situation. And Joe Ingles and Donovan Mitchell are going out of their way to help these people and these animals out. Those are a part of these ecological disasters. And if you are so inclined, make sure to check out utahjazz.com to help out with the Australian bushfires. Links are in the episode page. Really, anything is appreciated. Whatever you can give, it can go a long way. That does it for this edition of Round Ball Roundup. We'll be back on Monday previewing Indiana as the difficulty level ramps up. And also, we'll be reviewing this Sacramento matchup. Before we go, you know the drill. Let people know you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. However you may listen, just give us five stars, nice reviews. That's all I ask of you. I'm JP Chunga, and until next time, bye for now.